This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Dom Almario's relationship with God changed when she encountered the truth of who he is at a Steubenville conference. This set her ablaze with a desire to continually pursue this truth through all that is beautiful and good. Now, Dom uses her gifts to evangelize through her work with Greater Glory Ministry, as well as other freelance creative projects that she does. In this episode, Dom and I talk about how her faith changed when she encountered God through truth, beauty, and goodness, how she got into her art, and the parallels that she draws between simplicity and her own faith life. Hi, Dom. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Feminine Genius Podcast. Just to really loop listeners in. So last week we heard from Misa and then this week we're hearing from the other half of Greater Glory, Dom. It's just such a joy to have you both. But, you know, obviously today we're going to be chatting about your own faith journey, how you see the ministry of Greater Glory and some of the ways in which God has worked in your life. So I'm very excited to dive into all of this with you. Me as well. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So Dom, can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about what you do right now? Yeah, of course. So my name's Dom. I am one of the co-founders of Greater Glory. I am the creative director. So um, social media, the website, that's more of my side of my Mises partnership here. But I also work as a youth minister at my home parish, St. Paul, which is where Misa and I met. I'm still in school. I'm studying theology at St. Joseph's College in Maine. So I've been online. I'm kind of used to it. And other than that, I still do freelance work. I work with Paradigm and other companies and brands within the Catholic sphere, just working with clients to deliver stuff for retreats or their youth events or whatever it may be, and just using my creative talents to glorify God and serve all these different communities in a way that I never expected. But it's really fruitful and it's beautiful and it's fun. And yeah. Praise God. I mean, all of these incredible ways that you are using your talents to serve God. And it's such a beautiful thing. And what I will say too, is that listeners, please do go check out Greater Glory's website. I'm going to be sure to link it in the show notes because it's a beautiful site. You've oh, done such you. a wonderful job with it. And it's just so clean. And, you know, when we think about the modern church, and I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, mm-hmm. but when you think about the modern church and the new evangelization and what it means to just have good media out mm-hmm. there and just a really solid website, this is what I point people to. I've been pointing it to so many people and just sharing it with so many people and be like, look at this, like, look at how these people are serving the church, serving God, while also really bringing it into the 21st century. So mm-hmm. just God bless you guys. It's so wonderful what you all are doing. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. So like I said, we'll talk about your creative journey and your creative process and how you've been using those gifts to glorify God. But Dom, I'd also love to hear about your personal faith journey. Just before we got on this call, you had shared your bio with me and had a chance to reflect on it a little bit. 
And you share some things in there that personally resonate with me and my own Mm -hmm. journey. But yeah, but I'll let you share that story and whatever else you feel called to share with our listeners. So I grew up cradle Catholic. I grew up going to mass, but my family went through a lot when I was at a young age. My mom had to get open heart surgery and just a lot of sickness in the family that our mass attendance was just less and less as I was growing up. And for some reason, like my parents, well, it's an important reason I know now looking back, but my parents still had me going through CCD, even though we weren't going to mass. And it got to a point where I was like, why am I still doing this? We don't even go to mass. Am I even Catholic? But my dad was just like, just keep doing it. Wait until you get confirmed. And then you will come into yourself to know whether you believe in this faith. And I was like, all right, fine. So I kept going. And oddly enough, my confirmation retreats was when I finally saw faith, not as my family's faith or my parents' faith, but something of my own and something so intimate and personal. And I think after that, I was just hooked. I would just go to youth events and I joined the retreat ministry and I was so excited to serve. And I think at that time of my life, I was very shy as a kid and I was really quiet like my sister is 12 years older than me. So in my family, I didn't really have anyone my age to really play with and talk to and hang out with. So I felt like I was quiet, but I also felt like I had to grow up faster because of that. So I think for me, finding people at church and finding a community gave me a place to just really be joyful and have a sense of belonging. And it was my senior year where... I don't know what it was, but there was just so many issues happening with me with my mental health and where I wanted to go in life because all those years I felt like I was growing up so fast that I didn't even know what I wanted to do because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was supposed to be in life or what major. And it was just a really difficult time and I was just filled with a lot of doubt because I was so dependent on feeling God when I didn't feel God I kind of was questioning his existence again. It was the first time I was really wrestling with my faith. And it was the first time I was really wrestling with all these doubts that I didn't know what to do. And it was during the Steubenville conference, my senior year, where I had that realization that my faith shouldn't be based off of these feelings of how I feel around the people around me, but based off the truth of who God is and who I am and who he created me to be, even if I'm still discovering that. After that conference, serving and going to youth events, it wasn't just out of desire anymore, but it was out of pure calling. I felt like this responsibility of who I was created to be, and I just felt like I needed to just serve and to show that faith is so much more than just feeling good about who God is and feeling good about yourself, but it's the truth of God's goodness and the truth of the goodness He created us to be. And I think through that, I just came back to ministry on fire. I joined the core team. I started interning and I eventually became youth minister, which I would have never thought I would be um, when I was a teen. Like if someone told me that, I would be like, you're kidding. Like I could barely talk in front of a group of 10 people, but you're telling me that I'm going to be serving and talking and speaking amongst hundreds sometimes. And it's just incredible to see, looking back, what the Holy Spirit can do through you, despite your fears. And I think through it all, the one verse that really just stuck with me is that verse in 
the first letter of John, where it says there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And I think falling more in love with God and leaning into that love. I mean, I still have my fears, but I think the love truly washes them out and it gives me a reason to push through those fears. I think that's something I've taken with me in everything that I do now, in every bump in the road, in every doubt I've had and doubt I've faced. I've continued to lean in on that love and it's taken me farther than anything else could have in this world. Mm -hmm. That's very beautiful. You touched on something there that I think many of us go through in our daily lives, especially when it comes to coming to meet the person of Jesus and know him in a very personal way. Like you said, there's that difference between having that faith in God because we feel him or how he makes us feel. Mm -hmm. But then, like you're saying, like that realization that you came to where our faith in God is more than just how it makes us feel or doesn't make us feel, but rather it's this immovable fact that he is constant. And Mm -hmm. even though the world may change and so many things will happen, he is beginning and ending the Alpha and Omega time just kind of moves through him and he is immovable and he will never change. And I was wondering if you could, you know, when you think back to that Steubenville conference, you said that was the moment where you kind of made that turn of heart and you felt, if I could use that word, yeah, you felt that, yes, like I need to trust in God for who he really is and for the truth of who he is. Do you remember what that experience was like and what was it that kind of led you to that conviction? Well, the first night of that conference, I was blessed to have an amazing lineup during that conference. So it was Father Mike Schmitz, Annie Hickman, Ike, Emily Wilson. Mm -hmm. And something that Father Mike Schmitz said the first night of that conference, he said, if your faith is based solely on a feeling, then your faith will only be as strong as the feeling itself. Mm -hmm. And... It kind of hit me as a slap in the face, but it didn't click yet. I was like, whoa, that's some like major Holy Spirit words right there. And I just thought of how many times a day my emotions just change. Like I feel happy or sad or confused or I get it. It just changes so frequently. And it kind of clicked with me finally during adoration at that conference Mm -hmm. where I looked at the Eucharist and I was like, this is true. And I think... When I had that realization, I realized I shouldn't be basing my faith off of the emotions I feel during adoration, but on the truth of that, that is Christ coming to us in such an intimate way to meet us where we're at. And that truth is what I should be basing my faith off of. And once I realized that, like I could never turn my back against that because I think once you finally have that click within you, it's something that clings you on to God and the church for the rest of your life. And it just grows even more every time I encounter the Eucharist. I think it was that weekend that I just fell in love with the Eucharist and it finally clicked with me how profound this gift is that we have through the sacrament. And I think since then, every time I'm going through something or wherever it is I'm at in life, I can always lean on the Eucharist and the sacraments to keep me grounded and to keep me centered, to have faith still. Hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned in your story too, that your mental health was a part of your journey. And I can understand that there's probably that coming from a whole myriad of things that, as you mentioned, had happened to your family, a lot of suffering and difficult moments and trials. 
And I can also relate that to when I kind of reflect on my own experience, how if you are to tie God's love and your faith to, like you said, your emotions, particularly when you do have like moments where you are either feeling like depressed or anxious, it can be so easy to feel like, yeah, we are so separated and far apart from God and maybe even go as far as to say that God, like, do you even exist? Because Mm -hmm. I feel so desolate right now and you feel so far away. So I was just wondering if you had any encouragement for people who might go through those types of things. Maybe they do have their own sufferings or the trials that they're going through right now and how to still find God in the midst of those difficulties and cling on to the truth of who he is. Mm -hmm. So for me growing up, mental health wasn't talked about in my household. Like it still isn't really talked about. So when I was feeling these seasons of depression and feeling anxiety, I couldn't understand them and I couldn't quite form them into words and I didn't know how to express it. And I think something that really helped me and encouraged me were the saints Mm -hmm. and this faith. Someone in particular is Mother Teresa. I've said this before in other talks or in my podcasts that we have through Greater Glory. But I've talked about how we don't find the saints, the saints find us. And I think Mother Teresa really found me during those seasons and those times of darkness in my life. Because learning her story, how she lived 40 years of Mm -hmm. spiritual darkness, but she still started every day with the Eucharist and she still served every day and she saw Christ in every person she encountered. And I think I looked at her and I was like, how did you do it? And I think just sitting with her and having that devotion to her and growing that friendship with her really gave me the encouragement I needed because I felt understood and I felt seen through her testimony Mm -hmm. that I think coming to encounter her in that personal way and letting her in, in those moments of darkness, I was able to let God into those moments of darkness and recognizing that he sees me and knows what I'm going through and loves me and presents me with the victory of the cross to give me that encouragement every day, even when I don't feel it. But just the truth of who he is has been something that has really encouraged me and brought me a lot of motivation in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think for anyone else out there, I just know it's hard. And hearing someone say that it's hard doesn't make it easier. (laughs) If it is any consolation, it's that you're understood Mm -hmm. by the one who loves and has created all things. And he loves you in a very intimate and personal way. And he is there to motivate you in a way that is just for you. And it's just that patience with yourself and patience with God that day by day, you'll come to recognize the victory that awaits and the glory that awaits in following him and giving all glory to him and everything. And I think it just takes that trust and that patience to keep moving forward and not giving up. Yeah. Mother Teresa and the dark night of the soul that spiritual dryness and 40 years, you know, just hearing you say that again, it takes me aback. Like how, how did she do that for 40 years? Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, 40 seconds and I might've just given up already and be like, okay, see you later, God. But like you said, the saints really do have their way of finding us. And we know that through the communion of saints, there's just this richness and this vitality that each saint is so unique and so different in the way that they've lived out their life. And also in the ways in which they've suffered that we as humans here on earth can really look to and journey with them. So I appreciate you sharing that. And that word of encouragement, I think, is very inspiring. So thank you.
you mentioned doing things and waiting for that greater glory. And I can't think of a better segue than to go into this ministry that mm-hmm. you have founded with Misa. For any of those who had missed last week's episode with Misa, I encourage you to go back and listen after you've listened through this conversation. But can you remember when you first had that encounter with Misa around her bringing this idea to you that she wanted to start Greater Glory and what that conversation was like? Well, Greater Glory actually started as a secular brand. And it was not just me and Misa, it was a couple of our friends who were trying to make this brand Greater Glory. It was kind of based off the phrase AMDG because we were all friends through ministry, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to go secular with it. And they came to me for a design and I started designing and stuff, but then something just didn't feel right. One time Misa was randomly in my office with me and she was just like, what are your thoughts on greater glory? And I was like, can I be very honest with you? And she was like, please. And I was like, how could we do a brand based off of the phrase for the greater glory of God and cut the part that says of God and just Mm -hmm. do greater glory? That doesn't sit well with me. And I know there's other people involved in this, but like I could tell it doesn't sit well with you either. And someone needs to bring this up. And she was like, okay, we're on the same page here. And we kind of just talked about it. You know, at that point, we didn't really have a plan of what greater glory could be or what greater glory is, but we just knew that it had to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and it had to have that radical message of doing things for the greater glory of God. Because Mm -hmm. the reason it was used so much in our ministries was because, and is because it's such a radical message. I've seen people take that phrase and just do incredible things that just change their lives. I've seen them break up with toxic relationships. I've seen them push through school. I've seen them change majors and just do something that they love to glorify God. I've seen Misa beat cancer with that phrase. Like you can't just take away the thing in that phrase that makes it powerful, which is glorifying God. And I think when we discuss that and we discuss this new route, we were just like, okay, let's move forward with it. And I think we've just been open to how the Holy Spirit can guide it because St. Ignatius, one of his philosophies is recognizing God in all things. And I think we didn't want to limit what this ministry can do and what this ministry could be. We just kind of kept it open and we've let these past years just be the Holy Spirit guiding us to see where the ministry could take us or where God can take us through this ministry. And giving that message of motivation and determination to encourage others to glorify God in everything and how whatever you do, you can glorify God. That boils down to that universal call to holiness, Mm. how we all just share that vocation to glorify God and to live holy lives, sharing in that threefold mission of Christ, of priest, prophet, and king, and just running with that no matter where we're at in life as parents, as family members, as students, as teachers, whoever we are. We can always glorify God through that. And it's necessary for us to do that because we are the church, you know? Yeah, man, I love that. Both you and Misa are so spirit-led. So this only makes sense that it's happening through you both and through your team, of course, and the ways in which you're bringing about, like you said, such a radical message. Everything that we do, it shouldn't be for our gain. It shouldn't be for our glory. I've been reflecting on this a lot recently about how 
Christianity is the only religion where it's God who comes down to seek us. Mm-hmm. And similarly, like the one thing that maybe we do share with other major religions is that we still do look upwards and seek God, but it's still God who comes down to seek us. And he's created us in his image so that we can be these walking images, like little kind of imago dei, right? These little images of Christ, these images of God, and everything we do should point back to him. The website, the ministry itself, like I know that you all were doing like retreats and talks and then mm-hmm. boiling it down even to the creative aspects, which is something that I'd love to talk to you about because I know that you're the creative director and you have such a gift and a talent for creating beautiful things for the glory of God. So I just want to commend you for that and affirm you in these gifts that God has given to you. And, you know, I'd love to hear about your own experiences with creating, like how did you get into this kind of art and medium and What is it like to create these things for God's greater glory? First off, thank you. That was a very kind affirmation. I always was pretty creative growing up. I don't know what it was. I just loved drawing and I never lost that in myself, but my parents always just considered it a hobby (laughs) as most Asian parents do. (laughs) Um, If I could draw, that would be, that would be my (laughs) hobby too. (laughs) Yeah, but I entered into college with a psychology major and it was kind of just like a last minute thing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I'll just major in psychology and figure it out because psychology is pretty diverse. Like you can go into anything with that. But then I took one art class in college at Cal Poly and I just was like, okay, there's so much more I could do with art because I was exposed to what graphic design is and digital platforms. And I just realized how there's art in everything and like every company needs an artist. And I was like, you know, this isn't as impractical as my parents made it out to be. So I changed my major to graphic design and I started doing that for a while, but it was very hard juggling that with ministry. And I brought what I learned in my graphic design classes and I used it in ministry because when I started as a youth minister, I just felt like there was this need to just draw people in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I could do that through art. I could do that through these flyers and through these retreat shirts. And at first I didn't really believe in myself. My first retreat shirt, if you ask me, so like I hated it at first, but now that I look back, it's like probably one of my favorite designs, but you know, using that, not only draw people in, but to establish this sense of what our youth ministry is and Mm -hmm. what our community is and kind of just branding it. I know it's such a secular term, but it's so important even in the church to brand your ministry and to brand the work that you're doing, because it gives this image that lasts with people and it will connect people to that ministry or that event that you're hosting. I think from there, just random connections start popping up. And, you know, I just always saw it as a sign of the Holy Spirit connecting me with someone or connecting me with a new project or a new opportunity. I always just said yes. And I think a bunch of yeses just brought me to where I am now of um, just making designs for all these different companies and all these different opportunities. I think drawing it all back to just one thing, it's... Like I said, I was always creative and I love taking pictures too. And I always love capturing nature. And, you know, I would always look around and I'd be like, wow, God, you made that. And I think something I've been reflecting on is 
the story in Genesis of the creation of man and how mm-hmm. God created all things and he made us in his image and likeness. I see all the creative energy of this world that God made and just the beauty of this world. And I think you may be in the image and likeness of your creative being. Recognizing that, I recognize that, you know, the creative gifts I have aren't just mine. They were created within me as an image and likeness of who God is. And I think that has encouraged me to share that because I know that whether people see it or not, everyone has a sense of creativity in them. And I think by having confidence in that within myself, I'm able to encourage others to explore that within themselves as well. Through that, there's just so much beautiful art that's able to be made and so many beautiful things that are able to connect us not only to each other but to our faith and the mystery of who God created us to be. Yeah, absolutely. There's just so much beautiful truth to that. And I think one thing that really made me kind of chuckle to myself that you described was just, you know, how branding or or marketing, designing for your youth ministry or what have you, you described it as a secular term. And I kind of laughed at that just because it's so true. We can almost brand that type of work as something superficial or just, you know, there's no place where we shouldn't have budget towards that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if it has lost its purpose and if you've kind of misplaced where God is in that creative process, yes, like it can certainly Mm -hmm. be very dangerous. So I I do want people to be aware of that and please don't misunderstand us that it, it can be dangerous. But I do also remember... A friend of mine once said to me, and this is not to diss any of the writers who may listen to this, like I myself, I'm a writer. And, you know, she said to me that words will only get you so far. But if you don't have something that is eye-catching and beautiful, people will probably stop reading your words up (laughs) into a point. I'm like, oh, man, that really hurts. Just because, like I said, I can't draw to save my life. I can't come up with (laughs) these beautiful things. But that's just the beauty of our talents and the ways in which God has blessed each of us and why it's so integral for all of us to work together. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, maybe I can come up with some catchy copy or whatever, but when paired with something beautiful and you can have that on a shirt, on a website, on an Instagram post, it can do really powerful things. Mm-hmm. So again, like that real need for beautiful things And it's one of the transcendentals, right? It's these things that we in our human hearts really desire and long for, and we seek for truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm -hmm. And I do firmly believe that all of that can be encapsulated in this art. So yeah, it's very important work, what people like yourself are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely thought of Bishop Barron and how he always talks about truth, beauty, and goodness and how we need that tie of the beautiful in order to show people the truth and goodness of who God is. You know, that first thing that catches their eye is the beauty and the beautiful. And I think that's not something that should be neglected or overlooked, but it's something important. And it's something that we inherently pay attention to, especially now with such an aesthetic age where everyone's just trying to be aesthetic all the time. But it's definitely still such an integral part of sharing and evangelizing that we can't overlook, you know. Mm -hmm. To use your word there, like the aesthetic and aesthetic age, like when it comes to the aesthetic of greater glory, if we can think about this on a, a technical plane, but also a spiritual plane as well, what were some of the things that really inspired you when it came to visually describing and creating the brand of greater glory? 
I think one of my personal major flaws when it comes to the faith is sometimes overcomplicating things and overthinking. And I think that just leads me down this rabbit hole of falling into doubt and fear when Mm. it comes to my faith. But when you simplify where you're at and simplify where God's calling you to be, that's where you finally get to just listen to the whisperings that God has in your heart. And I think with greater glory, um, aesthetically, like I was just doing all these things and I was like, I need to simplify it. And I think it's in the simple. Sometimes it's very hard to make things that are simple, but still beautiful and still pleasing to look at and interesting to look at. So I think having that juxtaposition of simplicity, but still beauty and not overcomplicating things, I think that's something that I wanted to include when it comes to the creative aspect of greater glory. And I think with the simplicity, it also serves kind of as a blank slate. Like how we said, we didn't want any limits of what greater glory could be. Providing a slate that's almost bare, but it isn't bare. It has like some substance, but it still has openness and room for Mm. other people to make of it what it can be. That limitlessness of it enables people to recognize within themselves what greater glory can await for them. And I think just simplifying it and always looking at it and saying, okay, can I make this simpler? And Mm. am I overcomplicating this? And I think that is something I've used both in design, but also in my faith. And you know, it just creates a beautiful moment of things falling into place in the way that they should. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful statement. And I just want to unpack that really quickly, just to hear you say that first to look at it from like an artistic or aesthetic point of view. I absolutely agree. Like there's some real beauty in simple things, just because it can feel like things are, if they're too busy, then it might feel like cluttered or even claustrophobic. So even the ways in which you have developed something that is so clean, I think I used that word earlier, but yeah, it's so clean and it's just simple. It's kind of the basic necessities and that's all Mm -hmm. you need. It doesn't have to be too much. You don't have to force too much onto it for it to be beautiful. And there's that adage where there's beauty and simplicity. But I love how you take that deeper and you say that that's how you've been trying to approach that in your faith and how, yeah, sometimes we feel like we need to do a lot of things to make our faith feel more faithful, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like we need to do more novenas or we need to do more devotionals or whatever it might be. And and all those things are objectively good, but it all comes back to that relationship and, and ultimately that intimacy with God. And it makes me think back to what you first let off with at the outset of our conversation, just how you came to find your faith in God and having faith in the truth of who He is rather than the ways in which He made you feel So I just really appreciate you sharing that just because I think it's something that often goes unnoticed. We feel like we need to do a lot of things to show our love for God in the hope that he will return the favor and in the hope that he will bless us even more if we do more. But I can also recognize that in myself where the more that we do sometimes, like I said, with art, like it can get cluttered, you can feel claustrophobic and you can burn out really quickly Mm -hmm. as well. And I think, too, it comes with intention. Something may look very simple. And I think it's so easy to look at something that's minimal and think that 
they didn't put much thought into it, but it takes a lot more to do something and detract and to restrict to make it simpler and nicer and like more intentional Mm. than continuously adding things. And I think for me, like that has been something I've grown to appreciate when I see other people's art as well. I know it takes intention to create something so simple. And I think with that in our faith, it takes intention to take that step back and to reevaluate where am I overcomplicating things? Where am I overthinking? Where is the root of what God's calling me to do? And I think diving back into that, it will straighten out everything else in the picture. You know, art and faith always coincide with me. And I think Hmm. when I'm creating and designing, like I can always just find some sort of analogy to recognize within myself. I'm like, oh, wait, I could totally like relate that to this in my life where I'm just overcomplicating it and I should just simplify it and just pray about it and then move forward from there. So, yeah. The Holy Spirit totally speaking Mm -hmm. in your language and the Lord speaking to you in that language. Yeah. It never ceases to surprise me how personal God's love is and Mm -hmm. you know, just even down to the language and the ways in which he communicates with us. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. Maybe just as we kind of wrap up, if I can ask you, when you think about all of the many things that you've created over the years, and I know this is going to be a tough one, but can you point back to one particular design that really either moved you or challenged you? And yeah, if you could maybe describe why. There's a lot that challenged me um, because I think sometimes I'll be presented with a project when I'm not feeling it and I'm in this creative funk. But something I learned back in my art classes was if you wait for inspiration, like nothing's going to happen. Like if you wait to be motivated, you're not going to do anything because you're just going to be sitting there waiting. What they always said was that inspiration comes from the work. And once you keep working and getting your hands on something, then you'll find answers and you'll find what works and what doesn't work. And you'll discover your end point which you wouldn't be able to get there if you're just saying they're waiting. And I think for me, one of the designs that really challenged me for that was one of our retreat designs. It was unfailing. And it's the one with the gold world and like it has the little designs on the continents and stuff. But that was such a struggle for me, not because of the design itself, but because I was just going through so much during that period of my life hmm. that this was kind of just the last thing that I wanted to do. But Misa was like, please, like I need this done. I was like, okay. So I just sat there and I forced myself to just do whatever I could. Hmm. In my design work, I always end up being in prayer during that. Hmm. And I think one of the reasons why I was just pushing off this project was because I was in such a low point in my faith and just so many different aspects of my life that like, I just wanted time for myself. But like, at the end of the day, I needed time for prayer. Hmm. And I think that project, I always think back on that. And I think of how those prayers that I made during that time of designing, like those are what pushed me through. Those are what kept me going and motivated me. It gave me that hope and consolation because there were times where I was designing that and I just wanted to give up. And I just was feeding myself all these lies of like, you're not good enough, you're not talented enough. And I think it was during that wrestling where God was like, no, you have so much to offer and so much to give, even in these moments where you feel like you have nothing. And I think in finally giving that design, I was 
so relieved that I had that opportunity to visit those places within myself that I was trying to hide away from and allowing God into that and allowing him to speak something through that with the design itself of how the theme was unfailing. Mm. That just gave me that motivation of you can't fail because God never failed and he is working through you and either could hinder him from doing that work or you can just be unfailing with him and just allow that spirit to work through you. And I think choosing the latter really encouraged me to just keep doing that for the rest of my life. And I think that was the most struggle I've experienced in the design, but also it was very rewarding and very fulfilling to finally complete it and also have that realization and that epiphany within myself in the process. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And again, it's kind of like what you were mentioning earlier, to even make that first move or that first step, Mm -hmm. even when things feel like they're not coming together. The same can be said about our prayer life or our faith life. Just to initiate with mm-hmm. the God who always initiates and to engage with the God who always engages. So Dom, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm so glad that you are continuing to do this kind of work. And maybe just as we close, when you think about your own feminine genius in light of the different struggles that you've had and the work that you do and the ways in which you're able to live out your creativity by making these beautiful things, how have you seen your feminine genius grow and develop? I feel like as a minister, I've definitely been labeled as a very motherly figure for a lot of people like they even have the phrase like dom is bomb and like (laughs) at first i was just like oh my gosh that's so embarrassing but i've come to really embrace it because you know at one point they made this chant after retreat and they just kept saying dom is mom and i was like your actual moms are behind you guys like stop and i remember tweeting how does one react when a hundred plus teens are calling you their mom One of the moms of our parish, she like works in like the rosary ministry and stuff. She's grown very close to youth ministry, Mm -hmm. but she threw it back at me and she said how there was a lovely woman who 12 people referred to as mom in their lifetime. And I think you're in good company. And of course she was talking about mom Mary. And I think that's when it really clicked with me of how being this motherly figure for a lot of people, like it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something to really treasure and to be grateful for that they see that in me. They see that motherly love because mom's love is just something that's so incomparable to Mm -hmm. anything else. And I think it's such a pure reflection of the feminine genius of this specific type of love that God gives us that's tender Mm -hmm. and that's understanding and compassionate. And I think embracing that in my relationships and in my friendships and also in my design work, that compassion and that simple love of just loving others. I think that's something that I've grown to really continue to share with others. And I think that's something that's so unique to women that we have this innate ability to be compassionate and Mm. to listen and to understand anyone and to take someone in. I didn't fully understand that as a child, but to just take someone in under your wing I think that is something that I just love doing with my friendships. I just love being like a motherly friend because we all need that kind of love. And I think when you are that love, you are just a pure reflection of God and his love. 
So yeah, I think that's something I've grown to really recognize within myself and appreciate. It used to be a joke, but now I think it's a part of who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I've in the time that I've done this podcast, like, of course, spiritual motherhood comes up again and again and again. But Mm -hmm. I think this probably takes the cake when it comes (laughs) to talking about spiritual motherhood. I'm going to remember that for a very long time so it's just so convenient that my name rhymes with it so it really does (laughs) (laughs) well Dawn thank you so much for your time today your vulnerability and of course everything that you're doing for greater glory and you know the greater glory ministry but obviously also the greater glory of God and to close would you be able to lead us in a prayer of course so as we all mark the sign of our faith in your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen Lord God, I just want to thank you for this time we've had today to reflect and just come in community and fellowship with one another as women. I pray for every listener on this podcast that they recognize within themselves that they were created by you in your image and likeness, the most creative being in this world, that we all have that sense of creativity in us and that we have the capacity to create beautiful things, whether it's through art or music or in relationship with one another. I pray that we're able to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and to move our hearts to seek truth, beauty, and goodness in our lives, to seek truth of who you are and allow that truth to guide us in everything that we do. Mother Mary, we continue to ask for your intercession as you are our inspiration and our spiritual mother that we allow you to protect us and wrap us in your mantle and motivate us in everything that we do. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Dom, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you to Dom Almario for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. As mentioned, Dom is the creative force behind Greater Glory. You can learn more about them and the work they do by checking out their website, greatergloryministry.org. Be sure to also follow them on Instagram at underscore greaterglory. If you missed last week's episode, we chatted with Misa Estuar, the co-founder of Greater Glory, and we heard her incredible story. You can listen to that episode wherever you're listening right now. I've left links to all of these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless, always. Always.